0: Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, I've got a clip I want to share with you this morning. <laughs> Love this one over food. Sometimes we pray over food and ask God to make up for our bad choices when we eat. That's funny. (laughs) What is? Lord bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord bless this bag of Cheetos and this jumbo Dr Pepper. Lord, somehow make this nourish us in some way. i don't know how you're going to do it father but we just trust in you now (laughs) father change the molecular structure of this food this complete trash we're about to shove in our gullet change the cheeto into a carrot stick on the way down spirit of low carb rain down on me now pray a hedge of protection around my pancreas, Lord. Right now. (laughs) Intervene. Well, there's a lot of confusion around prayer, isn't there? He has another great clip. I couldn't figure out how to share both of these. The other one has to do with the prayer that many of us learned when we were children. And I love how Tim Hawkins Uh, presents this prayer. He's like, when I was a little kid, my my parents would pray over me at at bedtime, and they would pray... um, uh, How does it go? Yeah, see, you all know. And it's a creepy prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. And then Tim Hawkins, he gets all dramatic. And I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die... Before I wake, that's a good night, kids. You know, <laughs> see in the morning, maybe <laughs> we don't know. Prayer is just a weird thing. It's a strange thing. It's a hard thing. It's a difficult thing. And we're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be looking at this idea of prayer for the next several weeks. And part of what we're going to do—and I haven't gotten it all together yet—but we're going to put together a prayer guide. For everybody to take with them, and why would we do that because prayer 's hard, and prayer 's weird and, and if you 're like me, one of the things you do when you pray is you say things that you want in prayer and in fact, most people who pray that 's the vast majority of the time that they spend in prayer is God help me, God bless me, God keep me, God uh, you know, help me do these things, uh, show up, help. Like Tim's prayer about changing the molecular structure of Cheetos. We want God to intervene and to help us and to fix us and to change us and to change others. And Sometimes that's probably the number one prayer we pray, right? Is for other people to be changed. If you're married, you've probably done this. If you have children, you've probably done this. If you're alive, you've probably done this. Lord, just help that person see the errors of their ways. Father, help that person to quit being stupid. You know, Uh, we have all sorts of prayers and we all pray very selfish prayers. And prayer is frustrating, too, because it doesn't seem to always work. At least my experience is it doesn't always seem to work. In fact, I've had friends who have I have a good friend who died of cancer several years ago and people were praying for Ken. Lots of people were praying for Ken. I think Jesus was praying for Ken. Ken was just a wonderful man of God. He was a pastor. The world needed Ken. And thousands of people around the world were praying that Ken would be healed. And he wasn't. Noel Sullivan, closer to home, was a great man. And people in Ray and around our community, in fact, people showed up in the weeks that he was first diagnosed with his cancer and they prayed and they trusted and they believed and they claimed. And then I have another friend who wanted a specific make and model of a car for a specific um, price. Difficult prayer. And he found it. I have another friend who, during holiday shopping, was tired of parking far away from the front of the buildings. And so they prayed for a spot near the front, Lord. And they got it. And part of me is like, God, why do you spend time intervening for parking lots and certain particular vehicles, but not for people dying of cancer? Or is that... Me, that's not understanding what's going on. That's how it looks, isn't it? That's how it feels. It seems that there are people, you hear testimonies, oh, I'm going to testify, Jesus did this for me, and you're thinking, he cares about that? That's weird. But for the big ones, there's just times that you just left scratching your head. Why didn't he show up then? Why did he show up with this trivial matter? but not with us. And some of you have given up praying altogether because of that. Some of you have given up praying because you have decided, "Eh, it doesn't matter anyways, it's just going to turn out the way God is going to have it turn out anyways. I mean, it's all predestined anyways. And God's just decided before the foundations of the world, isn't there a Bible scripture that says something about the Bible, before the foundations of the world, God just laid it all out. So therefore... You're a determinist. You're, you're it's very similar to the position that a lot of atheists hold, that everything is determined, and you're just a, a creature of your genetics and your your wiring, and there's just no getting out of it. Everything's predetermined. And so some of us, some of you, have given up praying because it just seems pointless. And really, those of us who continue to pray but ask God for stuff we want, and those who have quit praying and quit asking for stuff they want, we're in the same boat. We're all selfish. You've either kept praying because you just are grasping and hoping that eventually he'll fix, he'll change, he'll bless, he'll show up. Or, Or you've quit because you're like, I got better things to do with my time. And I wonder if there's any instruction for us on this. I wonder if we're just left to our own devices and and left to, you know, self help prayer books. You ever read one of those? I've been given a lot of those and they just irritate me. They make for good kindling, they don't make for good reading, they don't make for good theology. In fact, did you hear about this? This is a little side note. But did you hear that Lifeway the, the is owned by the Southern Baptists? And Lifeway has quit carrying books that give, they call it heaven tourism books. They've quit carrying the heaven tourism books like Heaven is for Real and 90 Minutes in Heaven. And they've, kept, they've quit carrying this because the Southern Baptists decided, you know what? The Bible tells us enough about heaven. In fact, part of what led to this is that one of those really popular books uh, told a story of a child who was six years old uh, going, dying and going to heaven, and he and his dad wrote this book, and he's come out and said none of it was true. He made it all up, sold millions of copies, made them millions of dollars. Read the Bible. And prayer's the same way. Read the Bible. There's all sorts of uh, out there, mushy thinking on prayer. Read the Bible. Paul, he, he talks about uh, the kind of food that we should be eating. And he's frustrated. And it's interesting because if you think about Paul and you put him into his context, He's in the first few decades after the church has just gotten started. And he's frustrated because he's saying, all you want is mushed up baby food, Gerber's. And you should be eating a good steak. Have you seen Thanksgiving dinner in a baby food <laughs> jar? It exists. It exists. When I was a youth pastor, it was a game we played. And we let kids eat Gerber baby foods that were not labeled, and they had to guess what it was. That's like Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) And Paul gets after people, and he says, you got to quit just having your food pre-chewed for you. You should be on steaks. And he's saying this to to Christians who haven't been following very long. He's saying this to Christians who don't even have a Bible of their own. He's saying this to Christians and he's frustrated. Let me suggest that a lot of the stuff we ingest that we find online, that we find in the Christian bookstores that they bring about is just baby food. You should spit it out, grab your Bible, take it up and read, sit down to a steak. You know, only babies think eating steak is hard. Now, what does Jesus say about prayer? Is there something that we need to learn in the scriptures that Jesus might have to say about prayer. And I'm not talking about the latest, greatest ways of getting what you want, the latest, greatest formulas out there. Five easy steps to pray God's will for your life. That just makes me mad already. If God wanted to give us prayer formulas, why didn't he do it in his book? Jesus does do something, and it's very different than all of the baby food books you'll read. On prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, he's in what he calls, what, well, what scholars have started calling the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he gives some, distru- some dis- <laughs> destructions, gives some directions on prayer. And I, we just need to look real quick at what Jesus has to say on prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now leave it on that screen. Do you see what Jesus is saying? When he starts out talking about prayer, he starts to contrast us with others. He starts to contrast us. Now, it's interesting. In our culture, we don't have any problem with this contrast. There aren't people on the street corners praying. (laughs) Right. There aren't people that are praying to be seen by others. But this this is one of the verses that makes me not really like pastoral prayers. This is one of the verses that makes me pray as a pastor with fear and trembling. And the reason is because what Jesus is getting at in this verse is he's saying there are People whose exterior doesn't match their interior. There are what he calls hypocrites. And I can get up and I've gone to seminary and I've read a lot of books. And I can get up and I say, Oh, Father, we beseech thee this morning. Somebody's house is burning, Lord. And I can impress you with my words and my language. And I can make you think, Oh, man, that was a good prayer. Steve just really gave a good prayer. But do you know what's going on in my heart? I, I can create a good veneer. I can say all the right things. I, I can say the right formulas. I've read all of the books on how to pray, the popular ones. I can do it, I can mimic it, I can parrot it, I can I, I, I can say those things. But Jesus' warning here is that what you say on the outside may not match what's on the inside. Isn't it interesting where he starts his discussion on prayer? He says this is a huge danger. And in fact, in his day and age, uh, the Pharisees, I think he's picking mainly on the Pharisees and the religious leaders, but they would stand up in the synagogue. And the synagogue was like the local assembly of Jews in a certain town. And they would stand and they would say great prayers. And Jesus is saying, you can say great prayers. You can have all sorts of great words to say, but not know God. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you follow Jesus Christ, if you've made a a decision to have faith in Jesus, then what do you believe about the prayers that Muslims pray? And they pray five times a day on a special rug with their buddies facing Mecca. Do you believe that their prayers bring them closer to God? That their prayers will be answered and heard by God? Or do you not? What do you think about the Hindus' prayer? praying to one of their thousands of gods in effort to to shorten their existence uh, on this planet because they keep getting reincarnated in their effort to become more one with the divine substance. You think the divine substance is listening to their prayers? Their prayers are beautiful. You can read them. They rival some Christian prayers in beauty. But do they know God because of their great prayers? You see, we intuitively get this. We understand this. We know that people who are praying to what we would term false gods aren't getting to know God through their really lofty, nice-sounding prayers. That what is going on on the outside does not match what's on the inside. And yet we fall into this trap ourselves as Christians. We think, oh my gosh, that was just a great prayer. Thank you for praying so well. That was just beautiful. That was wonderful. A little secret. I've prayed prayers that sounded really, really good, but did not line up with what was in me. And I've done it publicly. You all have made me sin occasionally. Because if I got up here and said what was really on my heart and mind, you'd be like, you know what? I think we need to find a new pastor. We need to move this guy on. Oh, he should have known better than to say that out loud at church. Can't believe he said that. Oh my gosh. And we do this regularly. We, 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 we have a filter. We have we have a God filter even. It's like we're afraid to say certain things to God. Which is <laughs> dumb because he knows it all. And then Jesus continues. He he contrasts us and he says that your insides need to match your outsides when you pray. But look where he says you need to, how you need to go about doing this. He says this. Next slide, please. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door. And pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, it's so interesting to me because Jesus is is getting to the heart of the issue here. He is saying that part of the issue is you don't want to pray out loud for others to see because, frankly, he says you have already received your reward. And the reward is people come up and pat you on the back and go, My goodness, that was just an amazing prayer. Way to go. You're such a good prayer. Wonderful. Good job. And Jesus says, you've already received your reward. That's your reward. Little atta boys, attaboys, girls. But is that the reward we want? If you're like me, the reward you want is you want your prayer heard. The reward you want is you want more than that. If I'm really honest, I want God to do what I ask him to do. I want to have the correct amount of change, stick it in the vending machine, and then stand back and go, what do I want? What do I want? Oh, Yes. And I want it to be dispensed and my enjoyment, my desires are fulfilled. And some of you reading this passage are hearing that when Jesus says, God who sees what is in secret, you will be rewarded. And you're thinking, oh, that's what I've been doing wrong. I have not gone to my room or to a special place. I've not gotten quiet. I've not shut the door. That's what I need to do. That's the magic formula. And if I do that, then God will. it's so interesting. Just tease that out a bit. Who's God exactly in that way of thinking? If there's some kind of formula that gets God on a hook, then it seems you're God, not he's God. And most of the baby food books I read on prayer, that's what they're after. What they're after is, oh, here's the loophole. Here's the way to get God to do what you want him to do. This is the way. You know, it's amazing. He didn't really think about this, but we found this special way of prayer. (laughs) And I just think, oh my goodness, God's really in a box, and we can find it, and we can hold it, and we can play with it, and we can ding ding ding. Oh, Reese's, yummy. Ding ding ding. Mmm, fat-free pork ribs, mmm, yummy. Ding ding ding. Cheetos that turn into carrots, mmm, yummy. Ooh, I'll weigh 150 pounds and eat whatever I want. Everything's about food right now. Have you noticed that? because it's pretty safe. (laughs) Because if we start getting into marriage, spouse I want, right? Kids I want, (laughs) oh, wonderful. (laughs) Millions of dollars, not have to work for it. You know, those get a little more, And really, all of these books, they present God in a box to us. And a formula and the correct change and the right way of saying it and how to do it and how to make God do what you want to do. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying God's in a box and you just need to go find Him in the right box. And once you're in the box with Him, then you'll be rewarded. And the way you're rewarded, you get whatever you want. It's not what He's saying here. He says if you will go quietly... In secret. Find a place that you regularly, intentionally meet with God. You'll be rewarded. Now, he doesn't tell us what the reward is, but let me clue you in on something. Those of you who have become intentional in your prayer life, who've set aside a particular time of day, for some it's in the early morning and that's just terribly crazy of you, in my opinion. Because I'm a night owl, and of course, if you waited till late at night to pray, you'd fall asleep. If I got up early in the morning to pray, I'd fall asleep. We all just have to find that place in our day that works for us to intentionally go and spend time with God. And if you will do this, you'll be rewarded and if you have started to do this if you have disciplined yourself in doing this you already know what the reward is but before we get to what the reward is because you're all wondering what the reward is before we get there what does our prayer life generally look like you see if you're like me it's like popcorn prayer it's like it's like just shooting stuff up when it crosses your mind <laughs> especially like if you're driving in denver oh lord Please smite that person. (laughs) Oh, God, keep my kid who's driving right now safe. Oh, Father, I forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, so-and-so had that surgery today, and I totally spaced it out. Please, Lord, just do something on their behalf. Amen. Oh, God, my text message just went off, and something tragic is happening, and please help that. Amen. Oh, God, fire whistle's going off. Hope and pray I don't know the people. Amen. If I do know the people, miraculously intervene, make sure everything's okay. Amen. Oh, God, I have that test in a couple hours. Please help me remember everything I put. I just stuck in my head. Amen. Oh, Lord, my kid is about to bat. Please help them do well. And there's nothing wrong with that way of praying but it's nothing like what Jesus commanded to do. And I don't think Jesus would be like, so therefore don't do that. I don't, I don't think that's, you know, Paul later on in the Bible says pray without ceasing. So at least you're taking steps towards that. But Jesus here is saying something completely different. Imagine if you had a best friend. <laughs> Just imagine. Some of you have to imagine this. <laughs> that was worded poorly. Imagine your best friend and you. There we go. Does that feel better? And you keep seeing your best friend all around town. I mean, you're going to the grocery store. You see your best friend. Hey, best friend, later. Got to go get some bananas. You just pick up some bananas. And then you wander over because you both have to have cataract eye surgery at the hospital. Hey, best friend. Good luck with that. See you later, hopefully, (laughs) right? And then... That was funny. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Some of you are asleep. And then you see your best friend, you know, at the golf course, but they're in a different force than you are. And hey, best friend, good luck. We should get together. And if you're like me, if you don't make plans to get together, you don't get together. You keep seeing, hey, best friend, hey, imagine seeing you here. And if you live in Rayberry, you can see them quite often. If you live in Denver, I have best friends I haven't seen in years. Are they my best friends? And if all of our prayer life with God is like, Hey, best friend, help me. Hey, best friend, just remembered. Hey, best friend, text just went off. Hey, best friend, just heard the sirens. Hey, best friend. How good of a friend is your best friend? (laughs) Try this in your marriage, just for fun. Just try that. Hey, best friend, see you later. Have a good one. Catch you tonight. (laughs) Hey, best friend, it's funny meeting you here. (laughs) You see, wives have this uncanny nature of wanting to build relationship with us men. least mine does super irritating when you're first married my wife would make she would make a competition between her and the bronco game it was like it was like a test of my love it was just irritating she's sitting right over there i know i'm going to be in trouble for this but i was just like we don't know this is not the time to talk about five thirty, six 6 o'clock on Sunday, then we can talk. I might not be in a good mood, but we can talk. I'm currently not in a good mood, don't want to talk. But they're winning. I know, I would like to watch them win. You see, sometimes, sometimes we're intentional, but the timing's all off. And imagine if you had your best friend or you had your wife or your spouse, your husband, your kids, and your timing was always off and you just kind of passed each other. Hey, 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 wonderful. Good to see you, Papa. Help me, bless me, do this. And Jesus, who we believe and the, t- the Scriptures teach and he himself taught, he himself said, I am God in the flesh. The way he says this should be done is intentionally the way he did it, the way he modeled it, he would sometimes disappear all night long. And the the gospel writers, I don't know how they found this out. Maybe they went afterwards and like, dude, where have you been all night? Jesus would say, I was off praying. That's rather intentional. I pulled all-nighters. Those weren't intentional. Those are out of necessity, in college and in seminary. But Jesus pulled all-nighters intentionally in prayer. And this he modeled again and again and again and again. This intentionality of getting away with the Father. Some of us struggle with hearing God's voice. And maybe the reason we struggle with hearing God's voice is because we're really far away we don't, we don't intentionally shut the door, shut out the devices, you know, the f- smartphones, the tablets, the television, the books, the magazines, the radio. We don't intentionally quiet ourselves and create a climate where we can have a conversation, where we can hear, where we can spend time. I learned that early in my marriage, that you have to do stuff like turn things off. To have her talk to you. It was really irritating at first. And it still happens. There's still times she'll say something I think super important, (laughs) but I don't know what it was. (laughs) Because her mouth was moving. But there was something on the television, you know, like a new car for sale or a commercial for chilies or or maybe the TV wasn't even on. And it's like, "Oh, look a squirrel." And it, who's to blame there? Is it that she was you know, you just need to work better at talking to me. Or is it because I'm just stupid. I hate to admit it. I hate to do it in front of everybody here with her present. Remember that time in church you said you were stupid because you don't listen to me? (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to score some points with you. And now I have to listen to you in order to score the points. And it works that way with God. We have to quiet ourselves. We have, he is speaking. There is no shortage of him speaking to you. The problem is you have a device, you have a television, you have a job, you have children, you have a spouse, you have things that are pulling you a million directions and you're not intentionally quieting yourself. How do I know you do this? Because I do If you feel picked on, get in line. You see, what Jesus is saying is that if you want to grow a relationship with your heavenly father, think of that terminology that Jesus himself gave us, your heavenly father, if you want to build a relationship with your heavenly father, be intentional because intentionality paves the way to relationship and intimacy with God. Popcorn prayers, won't ever do it. Saying help me, bless me, rescue me, fix this, won't ever do it. Here's the application of this message. It's really earth shattering. Find a place. Find a time. And like Nike says, just do it. Put your Nikes on if that helps. Find a place, find a time, and do it. Isn't that the beauty of a steak dinner? The The beauty of a steak dinner is that when you, you know, like watching a child struggle to eat a steak is something that is just, Completely and utterly baffling to me. Because their little hands, they don't know how to, I don't know what I'm doing. How do you cut? Right? And then their teeth can't cut through, so they're doing this. And it's like, what is wrong with you? But you're you're a grown up, and you know how to cook it right. And you know how to enjoy it. And you just effortlessly effortlessly cut into that thing. You take it and you put it in your mouth. And some of those steaks, they just melt, right? Oh, man. you all be leaving here shortly. (laughs) And what used to be so hard you know, when you were a kid and you just, I don't know how to cut this thing. I don't know what's going on. Where's my parede steak? That's what I want to eat. You're like, disgusting. Eat this. It's fantastic. But if you'll discipline yourself, if you'll put the time and energy to learn how to cook it, to learn how to enjoy it, to learn how to cut it, to learn how to feed yourself, if you will take the time intentionally to do these things, you can move away from the Gerber baby food and enjoy a steak. God's intention for you. And prayer is one of those places to enjoy a steak. Now, here's the crazy thing with this message. The application is insanely easy. Find a place, find a time, and do it. But my heart for you is that you would do this. And here's the crazy thing. I will never, ever, ever know. And you could say wonderful prayers. You could still, you know, pass the look test. You and I could still look the part but not be the part. Our behavior with prayer could be completely different than our belief with prayer. We'll be looking at those things in the coming weeks. But my burning passion for you and for me is that this would become a reality in our lives. That we would experience the reward. Here's the reward. I didn't tell you what the reward was. Relationship and intimacy with God. Relationship and intimacy with your heavenly Father is found in in intentional times of quiet prayer. May we become a community that seeks the face of God, that is intentional, that we quiet ourselves. And by the way, it's never too late to start. With this we'll end. Before my grandma died, She was 93. Her health was declining. She didn't feel good. The doctors never helped her. (laughs) I'm finding the older I get, you have to go to the doctor more. It's just super irritating. I should have been a doctor. Those guys have it made. She regularly wondered, why am I still here? Do you know as a pastor, i didn't have a good answer for her <laughs> but i my theology said well if you ain't dead you ain't done bad english i completely get it but my theology said you ain't dead you ain't done and there was lots of times i thought i don't know why you're here grandma it's frustrating for all of us <laughs> love you But we know that she's in a better place. She know we knew if she died she'd be present with the Lord. There were times you just wondered, what is he doing? And I have to keep coming back to that thing. If you're not dead, you're not done. And she couldn't really do much. Her eyesight was shot. She couldn't really read a lot. She could not uh she couldn't sit around and uh you know, learn a lot through reading and these kind of activities. She didn't feel good. She didn't have a lot of stamina. But you know what she could do? She could grow an intimate relationship with her Heavenly Father, which I think God maybe has wired it this way. Because if you have faith in Christ, and you really believe that when you die, you are present with the Lord, wouldn't it be good to practice that before you do it? Because what if you find, (laughs) who wants eternity spent somewhere doing something you don't want to do? And I think maybe that's why our bodies fail us, and our eyesight fails us, and our mental faculties fail us, I think it's an opportunity to start right now experiencing the presence and intimacy and relationship with the Lord. And if you feel you're old and feeble and your options are getting smaller and smaller as to how to spend your time and what to do, You can spend a lot of time in prayer saying, I wish he would change this. I wish he would fix this. I wish he would help me do this, blah, 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 blah. blah. Or you can spend an awful lot of time in relationship with your heavenly father. Let us pray. Heavenly father, we do come to you today in prayer. And uh, we do this every Sunday, and I don't even know if we give it much thought. And Lord, I do ask that you would impress upon each of us the need for intentional time of prayer with you each day. Holy Spirit, that you give us a plan that we would work. More than that, you'd give us resolve to see it through. Let us find a place. Let us find a time. Holy Spirit, help us to just do it. Father, thank you that spiritual disciplines work, whether we have a good attitude or not. Thank you that we have the opportunity to grow in our intimate relationship with you. And this is our lifelong call. This is our lifelong aspiration. This is what we are to be about. And Lord, help us take advantage of this. Bless these folks. Honor them as they sit down to a good steak meal with you. May they experience the reward that this passage speaks of, of relationship with their Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, make it so. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Find a place. Find a time. Just do it. Amen.